first and foremost, hone your listening skills because there's a lot more to listening than just writing everything down. Listen to what they're not saying and learn to ask the hard questions. If someone is going through something like grief or fear, you might think you understand because of your experience with it, but your experience with it and their experience with it can be two completely different things. Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the fields of holistic wellness and sustainable living. I am your host, Todd Howard, coming to you from Ravenhill Herb Farm, a permaculture design campus of Pacific Rim College in Victoria, British Columbia. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts to embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. Michelle Gellis is a renowned practitioner and teacher of facial rejuvenation acupuncture. In this episode, she shares her cosmetic philosophies and techniques, including the use of facial gua sha and cupping. Her treatments are not just to enhance physical appearance, although they do this very well, but also to treat disorders affecting the face and nervous system, such as stroke, multiple sclerosis, TMJ, Bell's palsy, trigeminal neuralgia, and more. As a practitioner, Michelle provides to her patients so much more than facial rejuvenation therapy. We discuss her use of acupuncture to treat emotional concerns such as anxiety and depression, the value of humor and healing, and she offers many great tips for building patient rapport. Michelle's writing has been featured in numerous publications, including the Journal of Chinese Medicine. She is currently working on a book about cosmetic acupuncture in which she plans to provide some information and perspectives that have never been in print before. Whether you are a student or practitioner of acupuncture, or considering the potential benefits to you of cosmetic acupuncture, this interview is flush with great insights. I hope you enjoy this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Michelle Gellis. Michelle, welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. I want to thank Lonnie Jarrett, who suggested I reach out to connect with you. And that puts you in very good company, because he also suggested I reach out to Heiner Fruhoff and Zeb oh. Rosenberg. So no pressure. No. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> me and Heiner, we just go way back. So. <laughs> I know we're going to get into your profession in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. But maybe to start, we can begin with something else. Can you let me know something else that you are passionate about outside of your professional career? Wow, wasn't expecting that one. Fresh air, sunshine, exercise, my children, grandkids, not necessarily in that order, but <laughs> <laughs> if I could get them all together at the same time. Good to clarify um, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how long have you known Lonnie? I want to say it was probably about 10 years ago on Facebook. I had posted a picture of myself with on stage with Frank Zappa. And oh, okay. <laughs> Lonnie is a musician. Yeah. Um, and he reached out to me and he's from Long Island. I'm from New Jersey. We're both Jewish. And we became fast friends. 
the acupuncture was actually secondary to everything else. So um, I met him for the first time a couple years later, he was teaching at uh, what was then the traditional acupuncture institute at TAI. And I took his class and then um, we just would meet from time to time, go see a museum whenever he was around, we would um, get together. So, yeah. Is there anything specifically about Lonnie's teachings that really impacted you? Oh, so much. Um, he really has been a mentor to me in many ways. Um, I, I think, <laughs> ironically, um, your audience can't see this, but this is for absolutely no reason other than I'm working on a book right now. And um, when I came down here, I was able to pack one bag of books um, in my little car that I drove down to Florida. And this was one of the books that I brought with me because I find that although there is tremendous depth to his writings, I'm a, they're very readable. And um, I don't know if it, the way that he brings the spirit and just weaves it in on such a deep level uh, in his teachings, as far as um, I, I had him, I asked him during the pandemic, I was teaching um, a webinar, a class that I normally teach live on cosmetic acupuncture. I asked him if, since I had a period of time free, because we weren't practicing, obviously, I asked him if he would be a guest speaker and just talk about the face. And he said, well, what do I know about the face? I don't do the face. And... I said, well, I'm, I'm sure you'll think of something. And he got on and for four hours just talked about the spirit of the points on the face and just what the face means in Chinese medicine and just went into it in su such depth that when he got done talking, everyone was kind of speechless. Um, oh, that's amazing. I'm so. not surprised. Yeah, so he's really, really um, impacted my, he's, he's uh, prompted me to dig deeper. Like I've written um, four journal articles, um, articles that have been published in the Journal of Chinese Medicine. And before I sent them off, I send them to him and he doesn't get specific. He just says, Michelle, you need to go deeper. I'm like, oh. I thought it was done. <laughs> and then I go back and really start thinking about, you know, the emotions and the face and Shen and diagnosis and really not just, oh, this point does this and this point lifts that. And if you do this, you'll get this wrinkle, but really what it means on a psycho, emotional, spiritual level. Well, from a man who 
I think took 20 years to write his first book. Going deep is definitely something he does very well. <laughs> and just for the listeners, you held up The Clinical Practice of Chinese Medicine by Lonnie Jarrett, which is a, an incredible book. Thank you for that. Why don't we use that as a segue to talk about cosmetic acupuncture? What Let would you me... like to know? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, where to begin? Well, why don't you start with how you got into it? Well, um, interestingly enough, I was at a bar mitzvah in New York City when I was still in acupuncture school. And one of the relatives, or actually maybe it was a friend of a relative, um, had who, who was an acupuncturist, got introduced to me and she was telling me she just um, took a cosmetic acupuncture class. I think I was six months into acupuncture school and I just thought it was the silliest thing I had ever heard. Like, why would anyone use acupuncture for cosmetic purposes? Now this is going back, it was 2001, 2002. So it was a long time ago. No one really was practicing cosmetic acupuncture back then. So I went um, back to class the following Monday and was telling one of my classmates about it and her whole face lit up. She said, oh no, this is going to be big. We need to figure out how we can learn this. And so she and I uh, took a weekend class and it sparked an interest in me. And so I studied with four other people. And then after I, I wasn't doing anything with it while I was a student, but I was reading as much as I could get my hands on. And then after I graduated, I started, um, I was asked to supervise in clinic at school and the students started to find out that I knew how to do cosmetic acupuncture. And then I was teaching at the school and that was how the classes started. Very small groups of students. I was teaching in my home. Um, and within probably two years, I think by around 2005, 2006, I, the classes became too large to teach in my home. And I had developed my own synthesized system of cosmetic acupuncture based on five element acupuncture because the school I went to is a five element, Worsley five element school. And um, just between my five element training, my um, the learnings that I had had over time, the class just kind of grew and grew. And I started teaching, I was asked to um, teach at NISA and then um, started traveling around the country pretty quickly. And right before the pandemic, I, during the winter I was teaching two classes a month um, through the spring and the classes were getting 
pretty big. I had to limit them to like 50 students. So things just happened really quickly. Um, but I became extremely passionate about the science behind it, which is why I started writing journal articles because when you write an article, you're forced to sit down and really think about what it is you're doing. You can't just, you know, write about what you know, you have to delve into um, what other people know and um, just finding a citation for a, a quote that someone had said um, can lead you through books and books and books just to get it kind of teased out. So, Can you tell me a bit about the style that you have synthesized of cosmetic acupuncture? There are so many variations and so many different teachers. So I'm curious about yours. So I, as a five element acupuncturist, we were always taught uh, law of least action. So you want to use as few needles as possible. So that was really a big part of my foundation. And also treating the whole person. And I don't just mean doing body points, but really looking at what's going on with the person's spirit, um, you know, the whatever's going on on the inside is gonna show up on the outside. And if you're just putting needles in someone's uh, forehead, but the real problem is this repressed anger that they have until you can get underneath that, the lines are just gonna keep coming back. So that is a big part of my teaching. Um, the first day of my class is all about diagnosis and I formulated a, a, like a basic protocol, which involves keeping the patient grounded. Um, so using as few body points as possible to treat them, um, clearing blocks, because again, as a Worsley practitioner, I, um, I'm always looking for any sort of energetic blocks that might exist. And my students have been just tickled to be able to learn how to drain AE or what IDs and EDs are, husband wife imbalance, um, entry exit blocks. I go through all of this in my classes because if these things are going on, you're never gonna have a nice clean palette to work on. You're just gonna be getting all this kind of polluted, contaminated, stuck chi that um, Lonnie says it's like a virus and I like that. He uses that in, um, I think it's in Nourishing Destiny, but it, it really just will just keep showing up. So I go through clearing blocks. I use very few needles. I keep it simple and my goal at the end of my weekend class. So the first day is all diagnosis and 
um, contraindications, precautions, safety, and then protocol. And then the second day, I go through some skincare and um, I let them practice. And I always, if it's a large class, I always have several assistants who I've trained. Um, so it's very, it's very hands-on. And uh, <laughs> a big part of my class is at least what I hear my goal is to keep people, I try to be funny and I know that may or may not have anything to do with the class, but it keeps my students engaged and smiling and about 98% of them think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always that 2% that um, no matter what I do, they're just, it's not, yeah. But I mean, if, if you think about the nature of cosmetic acupuncture um, and people's relationship to their appearance and what people do to their appearances, there is some innate humor to it. I mean, if you, if you can't see the humor to it, then, I mean, you know, you just look at styles and what people, um, just grooming. I, I think of cosmetic acupuncture in addition to, you know, like I mentioned, you know, you, if, so when you treat the forehead and you treat these lines of anger and frustration, you are actually helping to ease that emotion in the person. Um, if someone has uh, lines that are very deep and going down, we call them marionette lines, but going down the sides of their mouth, just treating the modiolus here, which um, connects with the rosaurus and um, several, the mentalis and several other muscles in through here, it can lift their spirit. So there is that aspect to it. And additionally, I, I actually got a lot of pushback at school when I started teaching cosmetic acupuncture because they felt that we should all love ourselves exactly as we are. And my belief about cosmetic acupuncture is it is part of grooming. You know, we brush our hair, we brush our teeth, we wash our face, we clip our nails. And this is just a way to take care of our skin and our appearance without injecting ourselves or surgery or doing something um, that could potentially be harmful. Yeah. Well, and laughter is medicine as well. And my original teacher and mentor, Dr. Anton Jayasaria, was just a comedian through and through. And he would have us crying in fits of laughter during his teaching. So very important. Well, that's good to hear because I, I really, my, I, I do feel sorry sometimes for my, <laughs> for my assistants because some of them have taken my class in upwards of five or six times. 
And so they, I only have like 10 good jokes and I just <laughs> tell them over and over and over again. Um, but I, I never studied with Dr. Tan, but I, I hear that he was a pretty funny guy too. So I figure if he could, not that I'm Dr. Tan, but if he can get away with it. Um, Machocha was pretty funny too. I did uh, take one of his classes. So mm-hmm. He was pretty silly. With facial reading or facial diagnosis, I've had both C.T. Holman and Lillian Bridges on the show, and they've taught me so much. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm currently reading through Lillian's book right now. Have you studied her book and her work? Yes, actually, um, I just sat in on a lecture she was giving either Monday night or Tuesday night. I've lost track of time, um, but... Um, before that, I, she and I had been interviewed by Lhasa, um, Lhasa OMS, Eastern Currents. I, I want to say the American Acupuncture Council. It's hard to remember. During the pandemic, it seemed like there was just one interview after another. Um, but she and I were interviewed together several times. And one of her students, Cameron Bishop, did lectures for me that I recorded during the pandemic, you know, when we were on lockdown and I was teaching online. Uh, Cameron is one of her students and he teaches her stuff. So I got to sit in on not just a short one or two hour interview, but on the bulk of her class. And I find her to be just fascinating. I could listen to her talk forever. Her, for someone who's not an acupuncturist, her understanding of Eastern medicine, energetics, the five elements, um, and just the way the body works and how everything shows up on our face is, she's such a gem. I just, I quote her in all my journal articles. Um, So yeah. Both she and C.T. Holman are currently creating online curriculum for us for Pacific Rim College Online. So really looking forward to being able to present that to people because I know it's going to be wonderful. Tell me a bit about your needling style when it comes to cosmetic acupuncture. I've studied under people who use very tiny dermal needles and just basically break the surface. Uh, no people who will thread. What is your style? So um, the needling style that I was taught in school was Japanese needling. So um, very thin needles, little to no needle action, and it's very superficial. Um, with my cosmetic acupuncture, I do um, a combination of a bunch of things. So I do something very unique to me, um, which is submuscular needling, where, and I don't do it everywhere on the face, but in certain areas of the face and the head, I will actually needle either underneath or through the muscle in order to stimulate blood flow and chi directly into the muscle itself. 
And um, it also helps to break up some of the, if the fascia is, um, if, if the muscle is attenuated and the, the fascia is very tight, it can actually help to break some of that up. But in addition to the body points, which I needle very superficially, I do some threading um, in different areas of the face um, just to, so you would, for example, um, needle an acupuncture point and then you would thread it in the direction that you wanted the energy to go. I also use some facial motor points and um, depending on what area you're talking about, there are certain muscles on the face that really lend themselves well to using the points as motor points, especially um, the mentalis, the frontalis, um, the procerus and corrugators. And I do use some um, intradermals, but only a few like I tell my students, you really shouldn't be, if you're using more than five intradermal needles, it's too much work. Just take a, like a half an inch needle and you can thread the wrinkle that way. Mm -hmm. So it sounds so, like you're only using one needle per point as well. I did a workshop many yeah. years ago with Virginia Duran and I believe she was teaching us three needles yeah, for many no, of the points. Just one. Okay. And what sort of results are you getting? My patients that I've been treating for 15 years do not look any different now than they did 15 years ago. Wow. And, That's a testimonial. Um, I have a lot of patients that come to me once a week, once a month for years. And so they get their initial results and then they keep coming for maintenance um i work on myself i'm going to be 60 in june wow. and um so i i <laughs> i'd like to think i'm a product of the product but i don't know some days not so much especially <laughs> after wearing a mask all day i feel like i look like i'm 100 years old um, you can, you can ask me that question after I've been living in the Florida sunshine for a few years. Yeah, but, there you go. But yeah, I, I really, I feel like the results are so much more than just the obvious results. Um, my feeling about my patients is they, they have, um, really an increased Shen their skin color is more similar. Um, it, if you think about a baby's skin or a, a young person's skin, it's pretty much all one color, right? As we get older, we get these dark spots and splotches and red spots and the skin, the texture gets um, drier and um, thicker, it, 
starts looking leathery as we age. But in addition to the needles, after all the needles come out, I do facial cupping and gua sha with every cosmetic acupuncture treatment. And that brings so much blood and chi out to the muscles and the skin. And the cupping is wonderful for a lymphatic drainage. And the gua sha is great for all that tight, um, the smas layer, which is where the, you know, the um, facial fascia is really breaking up all that, especially between the eyebrows, um, really goes a long way to sculpting and revitalizing the color of the skin. Now, does the cupping and gua sha leave any temporary bruising on the face? It shouldn't. Um, I tell my students, you want to go for the gua, but not the sha. Because, (laughs) um, no, and and I've, social media is the worst. I see these pictures of people with these cupping marks on their face, and it should not. The cupping... Uh, put some oil on your hands and the cups I, I use and I sell a cupping gua sha kit with glass cups and jade gua sha tools. The jade is wonderful for the skin. It's been used in Chinese medicine for centuries. Um, and the cups, because they're glass instead of rubber or plastic, they really move nicely so they shouldn't leave any marks and um, I was trained my facial cupping training was with Ping Zong and she used fire cups on the face I was going to ask if you do (laughs) and I I watched that and I I it's it's amazing to watch (laughs) but not in my treatment room yeah I'm a, I'm a safety gal, so I, I like to keep it um, well, a little more on the safe side. Yeah. The patients didn't come in for a haircut or burning. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's um, uh, I don't want to use the word scary. It's uh, interesting enough when you're doing it on someone's back and they have long yeah. hair or a hairy back and you're dealing with fire and because yeah. I use fire cups on right. the rest of the body, just not on the face. Well, there's also the speed that the cups are placed. It might be a little bit too aggressive for the face to yeah. smack a cup down on the forehead that was just <laughs> That's a little warm. moments yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> She's awesome. She had the Bunsen burner going and wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great to watch anyway. And the wonderful thing about this, as you said, you have patients who are coming for 15 years, mm-hmm. once a month or however often. It's not just about treating the face. It's the system that you've created when you're applying five element logic to it. You're able to treat the whole body through the face. And so there are myriad health benefits beyond just the way someone ends up looking. Absolutely. And I've had patients um, come to me who were abusing alcohol, who smoked, who 
I had various other issues. And when someone comes to me for cosmetic acupuncture, I do require that they are generally healthy. Um, I have a long list of contraindications. If they have migraines or um, really severe underlying conditions, I am gonna work with them on that first. And then we can talk about the cosmetic acupuncture. If it's something minor or chronic, or if it is something, um, some sort of an addiction, it is interesting how, cause I do a couple of auricular points just to calm their shen and, um, but it's interesting how people have come to me and said, well, I know I didn't come to you to quit smoking, but I quit smoking or I lost weight or just various things that occur. And I think a lot of it is the approach that I take of clearing blocks before treatment and I will say when I was on lockdown from March until June, my cosmetic, cause I have a full acupuncture practice where I treat everything. Um, I don't just practice cosmetic acupuncture but my cosmetic patients were the ones calling, texting, writing, wanting to know <laughs> when are you going to open? Um, they were the ones who were most anxious to come back. People are, um, people are interesting. You know, they vanity uh, for, for many people, it's more important than their actual health. People will ignore their physical problems. Uh, not all people, but many people, um, in lieu of doing something to enhance their appearance. Um, and I, I do think part of it is for many people, um, there is a deep connection between how you look and how you feel. And for a lot of people who, especially in the Northeast, we were inside. I mean, there was nowhere to go for many months. So, you know, we had this very deep, heavy feeling and it's gonna show up on your face. So it's, I, there was this need, I think, in a lot of my patients that they felt if I could, you know, do something here, and I'm pointing to my face, if, they, if I could do something here that everything else would get better and feel better. Um, and when I started to um, reopen slowly, I started seeing patients on my screened in back porch in June. And um, just the difference in the affect of my patients when they walked in and when they walked out, they were coming in like, night of the living dead <laughs> and they walked out 
with a spring in their step, like everything was going to be okay. And I still had them. They had a mask on. I had a little, these little mini masks that I made them. I just took a KN95 and folded it in. Um, but it really treated them on a, on a very deep level. Um, people, I think people like to be, many people like to be pampered and tended to. Um, people will put up with the needles um, because they know the end result and also um, they also know I'm going to do the cupping and the gua sha. And I end all of my treatments with some gua sha down the trapezius, which, you know, they're usually drooling at that point. They're throwing <laughs> money at me and <laughs> they're saying, I'm just going to send everyone I know to you. Because uh, if you've never had someone take a jade gua sha tool and just run it all the way from your um, occiput down the trapezius, um, it is quite awesome. So. Oh, that sounds nice. I'll have to try that. Tell me about the book that you are writing. Well, um, it's right now, it's just a series of chapters to be filled. Um, and I have uh, titles for every chapter. Some of them are being populated. But um, the overall theme of the book is going to be a very holistic approach to cosmetic acupuncture. I teach a class in treating neuromuscular facial conditions, TMJ, Bell's palsy, trigeminal neuralgia, um, hemifacial spasm, lots of, there are a lot of conditions that just affect the face. So there'll be a lot of information on that, but it's gonna be more than a how-to manual. It, one of the classes I teach is called the anatomy of expression. And in the class, I go through every, just about every muscle in the face, and how the, the connection between our expressions and our emotions and our emotions and our expressions. And um, I mean, there've been, there've been studies that have been done that if you just arrange your face into a smile, your brain thinks you're happy. So I'm really gonna delve into that at a deep level. It's a seven hour class that I teach, but it is really gonna be the overlying theme of the entire book. Um, as, a, as a Worsley trained five element acupuncturist, for those who don't know anything about the Worsley method, we spend, I, I, 30, 40% of our training is learning how to be 
with our patients, how to ask questions, how to look at their color, listen to the sound of their voice, smell them, um, you know, looking and seeing and what is the underlying emotion. We go out in nature and try to embody all of these things. And so there will definitely be some of that um, weaved into the book as well, because my true belief as a practitioner is if you can really understand what's going on with your patient, then um, it takes a lot fewer needles and you're going to get a lot better results. Um, but they don't have to tell you, like you don't have to psychoanalyze them. You just have to be able to look and know, to see and know. And that means quieting yourself just long enough to absorb them. Um, you know, we treat babies, some of us treat animals, they can't talk, but it's, it's more than just feeling pulses. Um, it's really about what is this person all about? What's going on for them? And how can I bring ease, right? Because any disease is going to show up here. As Lillian said, right? She goes through all the lines and the face and even uh, those little lines we get on our chin when we're um, disappointment, um, sorrow versus grief versus anger versus worry, fear. It's all right here, right? Because our face yeah. is the only place in our body where we can move our skin. Um, so did that answer your question about my book? I <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a timeline for this or is it just a work in progress? It's a work in progress. I, I don't want it to go on forever and ever. Um, like I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be 60. So I would, I would really, so much of it is already done, right? I, I teach a multitude of classes and it's really going to be taking that, putting it all together, coming up with an, overlying theme and just getting it out there. And Lonnie has generously offered to help me walk through the process. Um, Cause it's, you know, when you're writing a book, it's not as simple as, oh, I think I'm just gonna write a book. Um, well, I, I guess it is, but getting from, I have the idea I'm going to write a book to getting it on a shelf where people will actually buy it. Um, and something that's different, something that's, that no one has said. That's, I think, the importance of writing a book. Right. Well, good luck with that. That's Thank you. quite an undertaking. Now that you are relocating to mm -hmm. Florida, are you going to continue practicing? I am. Um, not at the same level I was when I was in Maryland. It took me, you know, the first 10 years of my practice was just building my practice. 
Um, and although I don't ever see myself retiring, I would like to spend more time now that my youngest has graduated college and is gainfully employed. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, I would like to spend more time traveling around the world and teaching and just a couple of days um, practicing. And I don't even know if it will be in, I, I've always practiced out of my home and I don't know if I'll be doing that or if I'll be in an office, but I will definitely have a practice in Sarasota. Okay. And when it comes to your traveling and your teaching, are there areas other than cosmetic acupuncture that really let you up? When I first started in practice, um, like I said, I wasn't doing any cosmetic acupuncture um, or very much at all. I was focusing a lot on um, anxiety and depression and spent a tremendous amount of time trying to learn everything I could about how to help my patients deal with this problem, which now with what's going on in the world with the pandemic is so prevalent. Um, and so that is really dealing with a lot of the emotional um, day-to-day struggles that people have, how to help them just kind of navigate life um, energetically, right? Make an offering, open a little window in their brain. Um, and sometimes it's with words. And sometimes it's just get on the table and let the needles do the work, right? I use a lot of windows of the sky, um, spirit points, sometimes it's just about balancing pulses, right? We, we spend so much time learning how to read pulses differently than TCM, right? We, we're looking just for quantity really, um, you know, where's the energy flowing? So looking at those entry exit blocks, where can I do a transfer from uh, water to fire, um, things of that nature. So when I have a patient that I've been seeing for a while and they come in and they say, well, you know, I'm pretty doing pretty okay, but I'm just here for a tune-up. You just feel their pulses and you can see, whoa, you know. And then you ask a question about that stagnant wood or the deficient lung chi and you know, how can you move them energetically? Um, so that, yeah, that's a big part of what I do. And what are the types of outcomes that you're seeing in treating those conditions? You know, that's a great question because I, after, I, you know, I've been treating patients a long time, almost 20 years. And 
it is, I find, and I know Lonnie would say something different. I find for me, it is very dependent on two things. One, the patient and like their real desire to change because people say they want to change but they don't really want to change. Not, not, you know, they may not really want to change. Um, a lot of people, oh, the other good use for Lonnie's book, by the way, is it's great for lifting up your laptop. So it's at eye level. Sorry. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> so um, people can become very uh, wedded to their affliction. And they might think that they want to change, but they may cling very strongly to whatever the issue is that they come for. So you might even feel on their pulses, like they're better. I know they're better, but they're reporting to you. I don't feel any better. And it's, well, sometimes, they don't want to get better because they think you're going to stop seeing them, right? Some people, um, it, it defines them. They are their back pain or whatever. Um, so it really, it depends a lot on the person and how connected they are to whatever's bothering them. And then sometimes it's my relationship with them. There are certain energetics, and I think we all have this, you know. Um, like I said, when I teach a class, 98% of the class is falling out of their chairs laughing, and there's two people sitting there with their arms crossed in front of their chest, looking at their watches. Um, so you can't, you can't resonate energetically with everyone. So if the relationship, the practitioner-patient relationship is good, and if they are really serious about wanting to get better and feel better and do life more smoothly, then I'm, I get better results. Is there anything in particular you recommend for practitioners to develop the patient-practitioner rapport? You ask wonderful questions. First and foremost, hone your listening skills because there's a lot more to listening than just listening and writing everything down or whatever, however you take notes. Listen to what they're not saying, number one. Like, what is it they're not telling you? And learn to ask the hard questions because, for example, if someone is going through something like grief or fear, you might think you understand because of your experience with it, but your experience with it and their experience with it can be two completely different things. And the example I used to give my students is, um, you have a patient come in and they, 
and you say to them, wow, you look really tired. And they say, I am. My child kept me up all night. And your knee-jerk response might be, if you're a parent, might be, oh, I know what that's like. Well, maybe, maybe, but maybe for them, being woken up during the night by their child is the most wonderful thing on earth because they've tried for 10 years to have a child. And they're really just tired. They're not tired and frustrated or angry or worried or whatever you might think. So learn to ask the hard questions and learn to ask follow-up questions. Um, and pulse taking, if, if you get really good at it, um, like using your sense, it's not, not just pulse taking, but um, smelling and seeing and listening. Um, it's, it's, again, I always go back to the parent analogy. Um, but when you have children, you know, when they're sick, you look at them, you say, oh, you know, you can just tell. So settling yourself down enough to look at your patient and get a feeling for what's going on. Um, now I've lost track of what the question was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Developing your patient practitioner report. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess that was just really the diagnostic skills. Um, and don't making us not making assumptions or we, we had a lot of classes, uh, in rapport and sometimes it's just matching them. Right. Um, and, um, kind of energetically matching them because if they're up there and you're down here, um, it can be hard for the two of you to connect. So finding, I'm not saying that if they come in and they're manic that you have to act manic, but finding a, a place where um, there's a good resonance between the two of you and kind of learning how to shift the energy in the room if that's what needs to happen. Yeah. As I'm, I'm a water constitution type and I know when I'm groaning and it can be hard if I'm in the presence of someone else who's a water constitution type. It, <laughs> it um, just that uh, low energy with, with water or metal can be not great for the healing relationship. Right, so you want to match someone, but not so much that no movement is happening. Right. Well, that's great, and I think that's one wonderful advice. And it's as you indicated before I asked that question. There are just some people that connecting with energetically is a challenge, and if you are to be their practitioner and help, and are actually going to help them along their healing journey, it's a really good idea if you and the patient get along energetically. Otherwise, it's going to be a really big struggle to gain that patient's trust and to allow them 
or to create the environment where they can relax into that healing process. Absolutely. And sometimes the energy is not comfortable for us as a practitioner. Um, you'll have those uh, patients um, who are coming in with a particular energy that just is in opposition to your natural way of being and learning how to be comfortable with it and then um, match it to a point where the two of you aren't like butting heads is yeah i i yeah i mean i and and we don't always understand our patients um and but we don't have to right you don't have to understand what it's like to um, be an alcoholic or to have infertility or sciatica you don't have to have had it in order to help heal it but you do have to be able to um, understand what their experience is of it, not what you think it must be like. Yeah, it's so important. And what you said earlier about becoming a good listener and not just going, oh yeah, I know what that's like, because then you're, you're taking away their story and taking away the power of that story. And to them, that that might really mean a lot. So to sit back and just listen and not make assumptions, it's so important. And to circle back around the Lonnie and his book, Nourishing Destiny, so many great case studies in that book. And for anyone who wants to read about his experience building patient practitioner rapport, it's a great resource to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me today, Michelle. Where might listeners be able to find out more about you? As far as my classes, I have a website called facialacupuncturclasses.com. And there's um, links to my journal articles. There are some free videos um, recorded webinars that I had done about various topics. One of them was, um, I think it was the Florida, I think it was the Florida Acupuncture Society. Um, They allowed me to rebroadcast on my website. I did something on how to safely treat your patient's face during the pandemic. And so that, um, that one website has all the information about my classes. And then if anyone's in the Sarasota area and they're interested in coming to see me, there's links to my practice and also um, like the facial cups and things that I sell, um, which are great for patient self-care. I One of the things that I did during the lockdown was I put together these kits for my patients so that I could do um, sessions with them and teach them how to do some cupping and gua sha safely on their own faces until they could come see me. Great. And do you have any parting words of advice for 
acupuncture students? I feel that anyone that has chosen acupuncture as a career has already decided that uh, this very natural, holistic, ancient form of medicine is um, an amazing modality and way to make a living. And there are so many wonderful things that we are taught. And there are so many incredible resources out there, whether they're classes or books or mentors, classmates, colleagues. Um, you don't have to have it all at once in order to, I, but so many times people say to me, well, when I do this, then I can start. Or um, they just, they always feel like they need a little more, they need a little more. But the fact that you chose this and um, your intention counts for so much in this medicine, I believe. So that really, um, Look, I, I was this Italian Jewish girl from New Jersey. I had no, I had no, uh, like it was the furthest thing from a career for me. Um, just being loud and um, just not really settled in myself and going through school and learning this stuff. I guess what I'm trying to say, if I can do it, anyone can do it. So <laughs> <laughs> without, I, without saying something like uh, politically incorrect, <laughs> you have everything you need and just play on your gifts. Everyone has these amazing gifts, right? So yeah. play on those. And um, yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. And I look forward to seeing the book when it is out. And yeah, thanks and good luck with everything that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. This was wonderful. It was a great learning experience for me too. Um, your questions were very thoughtful and uh, I appreciate you taking the time out to spend some time with me. You can't see off camera. I have a whole team of question askers, though. They just okay. whisper to me what to, what so to when ask. So when she says this, do that. When she says this, do that. No, That's they it. were really great. I mean, I've certainly been interviewed before, um, but uh, you you have a, a gift. So thank you. Um, thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Michelle Gellis. For more about Michelle and her cosmetic acupuncture teaching, practice, and writing, please visit facialacupunctureclasses.com. If you are interested in studying Chinese medicine, the School of Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine at Pacific Rim College offers world-renowned multi-year programs, including world's first study options combining acupuncture with Western herbal medicine and holistic nutrition. Visit pacificrimcollege.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to check out our online education in Chinese medicine by exploring the amazing course offerings at pacificrimcollege.online, including many courses featuring other guests of this podcast. Sign up for our newsletter to receive special offers on our newest releases. 
If you are interested in receiving clinical services in holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, and acupuncture and Chinese medicine, the student clinic at PRC provides more than 7,000 annual treatments. Live holistic nutrition and herbal medicine consultations are both available online, while acupuncture and Chinese medicine treatments can be had at our Victoria campus. Free treatment options are available in all areas. Visit the student clinic at pacificrimcollege.com for more information and to book your appointment. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give it a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, consider facing and embracing the health benefits that cosmetic acupuncture can offer you.